Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up. I did learn something, and I don't know if if, um, if Sierra's seen or uh, seen this yet or, or heard it, but I thought my my clientele was going to be down at JJ's Wine Bar in downtown Franklin because they're wine drinkers. They're wine drinkers and craft and craft beer drinkers. I had over twenty four thousand hits at a rinky dink wine bar. I blew a big time because that was it's a it's a tourist place, but I didn't really look around to see who else was there. I just thought I like wine, I go there. We have some new tools that you can play with that will make you the, you know, the 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 queen of the ball or the king of the ball. You know, do you want do you want those tools or do you want to still use your old uh, wrenches and stuff to fix these cars? You can. Yeah, and I how do I know if someone's doing it to me? Um, assume everyone they are, they are. Right? They they are. are. you're the, the Walmarts and you should be world. doing it to them too yes I mean the Walmarts the auto zones all of those big national companies I can guarantee are coming after your local shops because that's where they know the customers are if you aren't doing it to them you're losing right and yeah you should you should be targeting the local dealerships both for new customers and for technicians. Well, that, that's another yeah, thing that's that we need to talk about. We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Leading Edge. We're on episode 77, and we've got a pretty important topic, especially right now in today's climate with what's going on with uh, distribution and, and all of that. Uh, techs are hard to find, but there's a lot of opportunity to work with clients because nobody's buying new cars. So today's topic is picking the right client and where to find them. And today on our podcast, we have Kim Arnheimer from CS Automotive and Sierra Walker from Midwest Communications Advertising. We're going to be talking about picking the right customer and where to find them. Uh, one thing before we start, if you're watching this or you're listening to this and you enjoy what you are hearing or you learn something new, please like and comment so we know that you're here and uh, so that if you have any questions, we can also answer them during the podcast. Uh, we're watching that. Yep. With further, without further ado, let's get into this. So first, let's look at the idea of the right client. Why is it so important for a shop to know who their ideal client is? I'll start with that one. That's one of my favorite topics. Um, and uh, learned early on from um, a wonderful teacher, Mr. Bullard, um, is the first thing we need to know is we need to um, kind of look back at who we are as a shop. Uh, what kind of clients are we looking for? What kind of people do we do we want walking in the door? Um, and you know who who are we? And so we've had on a couple of occasions, um, especially after we move locations, we had to kind of stop and reflect back on on our brand. And um, you know, are we going to be a numbers face, a numbers focused shop, or a customer focused shop? Um, there's probably there's room out there for shops that are number focused, um, but it's not the shop that I want to um, have. You know that we want to run. Um, what is your product? Are you high end? Are you, um, you know, are you residentially based and and just dealing with the commuters? Are you dealing with, um, you know, kind of who is your 
who is it that you want to serve? And, but the most important is who do you, who are you? I think you have to identify who you are as a shop first. Um, and um, I think the most important thing, and one of the things that we do as shops is we forget um, that we don't just sell auto repair. Um, that's not all we do. We um, we're selling a service. We're selling safety. We're selling we're selling so much more than auto repair, and um, you know, and maintaining one of the most expensive um, one of the most expensive products that a um, a consumer uh, will make. You know, besides house probably in their life. Um, so I think it's important to know who you are as a shop first before you start figuring out who your ideal client is. I think, I think the other, there's, there's multiple points to that particular thing. You know, I, I want, if, if my product doesn't, the way that I market myself doesn't match the experience that the consumer has when they come into my facility, it's going to cause confusion. And confusion is not a good thing. Anytime the consumer becomes confused, they don't feel good about it and they, they don't come back. They, they leave with the wrong feelings that we want them to have. There's also this idea that if I bring the wrong customer in, and I think every shop owner can kind of relate to this. You've had them in your shop. They didn't appreciate what you were willing to do for them. They didn't want to pay the price. You know, I, I don't know how many stories I've heard about this guy came into my shop and now he's giving me a one-star review. And he says, I ripped him off because we charged a diagnostic fee, but he wouldn't pay to have his car fixed. And, you know, you, you get these terrible reviews when you didn't really do anything wrong. You know, the, the wrong thing is I let the wrong person show up in my shop. And, and I think if you're very careful and you determine your, your best clients and say, that's who I want to be. I want to create my brand around that. And then I want to find out where those people are and I want to market to them. So for instance, Kim is geofencing around golf courses. You know, uh, this is a good time to do it. And who's, who's playing golf? Well, not, not the guy that, that, that works at McDonald's that doesn't have any money. The guy that's driving a, a BMW, Mercedes, a nice Toyota is playing golf. And that, and that's the guy that I want in my shop. Um, and, and so if I don't do that, then, and I try to be all things to all people, then some, nobody is ever completely blown away by what we do. If I define my business and say, look, I, I really want to work with these people because I enjoy it because they like what we have to offer and I can, it fits and then I bring those people in because now I can go and target them. I mean, there's some amazing things. I'm sure Sierra is going to talk about that. And Kim will talk about that. But, and then I bring those people to my shop. They have a great experience and I have a great experience and they pay the bill at the end and they're happy to. And then they come back and they recommend me to other people like themselves. And, you know, you watch shop owners think that they have to take everybody in their business. And, and I cannot tell you that it is so far from the truth. Of the 200-plus shops that we currently work with, the people that are doing the best, and I mean both financially and emotionally, I guess you'd say. Um, Kim, by the way, when I first met you, emotionally, how were you, right? You know, financially, <laughs> how were you, right? And, oh, mess. <clears throat> right. And now today... You know, you, you're much more relaxed, you have money in the bank, you're emotionally and financially in a much better space. And it, it's those shops that really define the customer. 
And I think on one more side, I'll, and then I'll shut up and let someone else talk. But I think on the other side of that, <laughs> you, you, when by defining the the customer and the client that you want, you're you're kind of dictating how your business is going to run, and and that helps me to deliver a superior product to my client and and get paid for it. Yeah, yeah. I think- I, I was talking to a shop recently though that. They, um, and this is something that's very, very important is you got to know what your demographics are, because if you're a shop that's trying to be a high-end shop and you don't have the client base around you, uh, the most important thing, and that is going to know, that's going to help you know how to market is know what your demographics are, know where your buyer, your, your customers or those that are around you, are they, is, are, is it residential or are you in a business, uh, you know, where, are you where people live or where people work? How are you going to take care of those people that have to get from where they live? from where they work if that's where your shop is. You know, I think it's very, very important to know the demographics and then it's going to help you identify where your market, you know, again, identify who your market is at that point. Kim, are you saying, are you saying like I'm in a neighborhood that's not a great neighborhood and therefore I'm stuck working on cheap people's cars who can't afford what I do? Or are you saying I want to identify the best demographics around me and Correct. then go after that. Okay, I just want absolutely. To that. No, no, no. You're not going <clears> to. <throat> I mean, you don't. You're not going to change who you are to just to bring a customer in because nobody's going to be happy. But you've got to. You know, got to know where you are and if your if your people are. If you think if who you think is your ideal customer is not around you, they need to find another customer. <laughs> or or another location potentially. Or another location exactly. Or, or you need to change. I mean, if you're really in a bad neighborhood and and you really don't have, you know, I, w- I want to work on BMWs and Mercedes and nobody owns a BMW and Mercedes for 50 miles. I, I'm going to be in trouble, right? I mean, I've got to I've got to do something. That's when you start selling BMWs and Mercedes in that area, and then you can fix. Then you can, <laughs> then fix, you can fix them, fix right? Them. Or, uh, or, but or then maybe they won't. They won't pay to fix them. You know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, and, and and maybe you maybe you change to being a Toyota, you know, Honda, Kia person, you know, shop. What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our Gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops. Courses led by experts inside and outside our industry. A community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, Gear provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. For help with improving your business, head to ifrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today. Every shop I've ever been in, in fact, I was talking to someone that Kim knows really well this morning and they were making a lot of excuses and Cecil, you don't understand our business is a little different and and. And I think every shop that I've been in kind of thinks that they're in this world kind of all their own in their little neighborhood. And, and the fact is, in my whole experience, which is probably now 12, 1500 shops, I've only seen three that were really in a place where they couldn't be successful because of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and their marketing probably wasn't going to help them because there wasn't uh, enough of a good demographic or uh, near enough, or that would come to them through the bad neighborhoods that they were having to drive through. So I think for 99%, you really, if you define your customer and then you go look and find out, you know, where are these people that you can then, and this is where Sierra comes in. I mean, holy smokes, I, 
I can target people so well right now. It's it's <laughs> it's never been like this ever. Um, yeah. Well, I want to yeah. let Sierra speak for a second. Back yeah. to this question, you know, why is it so important for shops to know who their ideal client is? Yeah. Um, so from my perspective, it it comes down to the more you know about your ideal client, the the smarter you can spend your marketing and advertising dollars. Um, you avoid this the spray and pray method of hoping that you're hitting the right things. And I mean, it, it helps work into your strategy of understanding, you know, from broadcast mediums, you know, television, radio, you know, the markets that you want to be in and, and what your message is to finding them based off of what they're searching for, where they're shopping. Um, you know, I, you have the do-it-yourselfers, right? My dad is one of those guys who swears he was a mechanic in another life and then always ends up taking the car in. Um, there's ways to find those people. And so it's, it, to me, it's a matter of when you know the right customer, we, you can make better decisions and your money works better for you. Um, where you can waste a lot of money and, and people will take it. I mean, they won't tell you that, you know, hey, I need a better idea of who your customer is. They'll just take it and spend it. And then at the end of the day, you're left going, well, but I didn't get what I what I wanted. Um, and with, with knowing your customer, you can just, you make better decisions. So, so just, oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm thinking of gambling. And I'm thinking of, <laughs> yes. of of roulette specifically, and you go you go play roulette, and there are there are 35 or 36 squares, and then there's two extras, and then there's the outside stuff and all of that. So there's there's I don't know 30 or 40 different ways that you can bet, and they're all kind of unique and different. Imagine if you could take that roulette wheel and go to Vegas and only have four numbers on it instead of 40. And right. and marketing is kind of, you know in a lot of in a lot of, a lot of ways if you're not well defined, marketing is like playing roulette in Vegas. You know you put your number on seventeen, seventeen doesn't hit, and that yeah. money's gone. Um, but if you only had four spaces, the odds of you winning become greater and greater. The more you define your market, now you can go to people like Sierra and Dan and and say, look, th- these are the people I want to go after. You know mm-hmm. when 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 I ran the last shop that I ran. We had these ads that were Larry's nose ads. It was Larry's Auto Works and and Larry's nose, and we were putting these ads out Larry's nose Jeeps, and because we knew that our Jeep customers spent fourteen hundred dollars every time they came in on their Jeep, and they were happy to do it because they loved their Jeeps. And yeah. so nowadays, Subaru Mini customers, they you know, there's always a few that are kind of turds, but most of them are good customers who really love their mini. They name it. That's Brutus, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they name their Subarus <laughs> and they, they'll spend, they'll spend, you know, two grand on their, on their Subaru, uh, and, and, and be happy to do it because it's their, it's Brutus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the better you define the fewer numbers you have to play and the, the more your odds increase of, of being successful. Oh man, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say you spend less money to find more people who have a much higher percentage of purchasing your service and actually want to work with you. And I think happiness, yeah. there's a higher yeah. happiness factor there. So it makes it better on your staff and better on you. And and frankly, you know, if if my it's funny cuz labor rates, if I change my labor rate by 10 bucks an hour, do my customers run away? Well, that really cheap ones probably, but yeah. I'm okay. if you're bringing okay. good, 
if you're bringing quality based customers in who want your service, who want more than to have their car fixed. I mean, Kim says, we're not just selling automotive service and repair. I would tell you, you're not selling automotive service and repair at all. Mm -hmm. Automotive service and repair is what you do. What you're selling is taking care of that vehicle, happy customers, you know, um, uh, uh, customer service, you know, someone that cares about you and your car and can give you good advice. If you do that to the right people, life is a lot better. Most, most people, most people are just looking for a solution that fits their problem and them as a person. That's what Google is all about. That's, that's Google's whole main thing is finding the right relevant services for somebody who's searching for something. So, right. It's not, it's not like I'm like, it's not like I'm going to be selling extreme, you know, high adventure sports to, to people that are in old, old folks homes. Cause that wouldn't work. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a business. I mean, I could, but it'd be really hard. I'd spend a lot of money and I'd have almost nobody buy anything that I was selling. Or if they did, they'd probably die using it. So you, they wouldn't have a you wouldn't have a second purchase, right? Make probably. the end of your life really exciting. But I think well, now you go ahead, Sierra. Well, and I think too, your your message means more to the people that you fit with, right? You know, I mean, to your point, how you speak to a Jeep person is different than how you speak to a Toyota person because they are they they aren't the same. And in knowing your message, knowing that person, understanding their behavior allows you to connect with them on such a more personal level. And and Kim brought it up earlier. There's a trust that has to be there between the customer and, and the supplier because it's our vehicle, right? I mean, this is what gets me from A to B. I need to know that I can trust the place that I'm taking it into and that they, they know what they're doing when I bring them my car. Um, and so when you specialize like that, the messaging is important, but getting that message to the right person is even more important. And well, let's just, let's just break it down to even to like, even the cell level, how do you speak and how do you treat somebody that you like versus somebody you don't your, your whole, your whole business changes your, your demeanor, your, how you handle a customer, what you try to sell, what you don't sell. If you have a customer that you, that you've been marketing to in the wrong way and you're bringing in coupon shoppers, eventually you're not going to like them as much. They're taking up space in your base. And so it is like Cecil said earlier, it's very important for the, you know, for the happiness of both sides. We've, we've learned that we, that painful things hurt. And so we avoid painful things. And whether it's conscious or subconscious, we avoid painful things. So if we're bringing painful customers in, we have, we, we have a tendency not to call them back as well. Our body language, you know, we're almost in a defeated body language just to even deal with them. And I think if you, every one of us has one or two customers that if I said, name your crappiest customer, you'd like being, oh, that's so-and-so. And you'd know exactly who that is. And then it's like, okay, how quickly do you call that guy back? How you know how, and when you call them, are you thinking, "Oh my God, this is going to be terrible"? Or you know, I call Kim and I'm like, "Oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be fun." You know, Sierra too. I I love Sierra, and I only know you. You're sure. welcome. No, I'm but, right? Um, <laughs> Made the connection. And, but but you don't you don't um, you don't treat the person that makes you that, that gives you pain, whether it's psychological pain, physical pain, or mental pain, the same as you treat the person that gives you joy and and happiness. It's in your life you. 
you kind of weed those people out in your business. I think some shops think I have to take care of those people. I want to, I want to tell a a short story. Uh, When Saturn went out of business, I I got the bright idea. Oh my God, they don't have anybody to take care of their cars. I'll go and advertise Saturn. So we changed our ads to Larry's no Saturns. And pretty soon we had three, four Saturns in our, in our shop every day. And our average repair order went from $768 down to about 350. And, Mm -hmm. And so we were working twice as hard with these Saturn customers, they, and, and they needed the work. They just, they weren't used to buying the work. They didn't want to buy the work. They bought a Saturn because Saturn marketed it as doesn't need much. And it's, you know, cars inexpensive and all of that. And so we looked at that and we said, oh my God, we got to get rid of these Saturn customers. And we took that money and we shifted it into Jeeps, uh, Cadillacs and Land Rovers. Cause those were our three highest ticket, most fit best customers in, in general, um, and we got rid of the Saturn customer. We kept a couple of them cause they were pretty good people, but the others, we were like, no, thank you. See you later. And we had a very consistent, very profitable business because of that. So shops, like, <laughs> not, not very often. I one of us go. is speechless. Was, I know. Silence. Oh no. <laughs> you guys be careful. Awkward. Cause I'll jump, I'll jump in. Let me just effortlessly uh, transition to the next question here. Um, so, so now that we've kind of looked at the importance of finding the right customer, I mean, you're spending less and you get to work with people that you enjoy. How would a shop start to define their ideal client? So what, what's the steps to start building this? And I hate to say it because, you know, Siri will likely end up saying it, but Avatar. Cardboard cutout, whatever you want. Yeah, to call it. yeah. I mean, you know, many many different names for that, but yeah, the the ideal customer. Um, you know, I I always like starting with a name. I'm going to give them a name, and and then from there, it's you know, take a look at who you have coming in, and and to Cecil's point, what is more valuable, right? Don't go for the low end ticket item where you're working twice as hard and say this is the guy I want but really look at the the value of your best customers and what do you like about them? What do you notice about them and, and the vehicle that they're in? And, you know, then you really start to hone in on, well, what kind of lifestyle is this? And you can even, I mean, some of these brands like a Jeep, the Jeep brand in and of itself, you don't have to do a whole lot of work to figure out that person, Right. Jeep in and of itself basically tells you we're looking for outdoorsy, camping, hiking, off-roading, typically is going to have a little bit more money for for these types of travel and excursions, right? And they want to take care of their Jeep because it's got to last them on the mountain. Exactly, exactly. It's got to haul all their it's got to haul all their crap too to to the to the mountain and from the mountain. So right. And they like toys, right? They like the aftermarket products to add to it. And and so they may have a little bit more issues because they're adding stuff after the fact. And I mean, but some of that persona is already created with the brand in and of itself. And then if you take it a step further and say, maybe I'm not as concerned with the brand as it is just the people, right? I mean, Kim brought up location. Um, you know, if you're located in an area where maybe it's it's not the best part of town, or maybe there's more businesses than residential, well, look at those those businesses. What kind of cars are people bringing in? Where's where's the best place for you to be able to build business 
with where you're currently at. Um, and, and that's where I would start is, is some of those base things of, you know, certain car brands already know those personas. And then in other cases, what does my local area look like? What's around me? What do I see? Um, and then from there, you know, then, then we start to get a little bit out of the box of where are these people going to be, right? You know, um, Cecil brought up, you know, Kim going after um, uh, golf clubs, right? Country clubs. Um, you're going to see higher end vehicles at those types of places um, versus a a Target parking lot or a, a grocery store or the, um, the the scratch and dent grocery store where you bag your own stuff. <laughs> I was going to say our grocery as opposed stores. to the the Whole Foods where people come in and they pay more money because they think they're getting something better, right? Right. And, and those are the kind of people I want. I want people that are, want are willing to pay more money for something that they feel is better, right? Yeah. So from a from an automotive standpoint, there um, the the tracking points are the um, I think in the notes um, Kent used the word KPIs. Um, obviously, your your average re- repair order um, looking at his customers, and the average repair order is going to be dictated more than just what they spend and happen to their vehicle. The average repair order is going to increase. It's going to be um, if they value maintenance, if they value safety, if they trust us, if we trust them. Um, if we, um, if they value our opinion and, and, and understand that we actually care about them as a customer, those are the, and then for, I, I think the rate of return is something that somebody, the people don't look at very often. They may look at the, the average repair order, but are they coming back every six months? Are they easy? Is it easy to pre- pre-book their six month appointments with them? Those are the customers that we were like, we want more of them. We want yeah, you wanna, cookies. Do we want yeah, cookies of the you know cookie cut for a cart cutouts of these people? And if you're not if you're not sure on that, I mean, if you look at like um, your your shop management system, oftentimes they'll have the analytics. Like I don't shop where you can go in and say, you know, what what cars do we work on the most, and it'll tell you your percentages. We work on Toyotas the most. All right, what is the most profitable vehicle that we work on? Right, Toyota's is still the most profitable vehicle we work on. We get we make the most profit off it. Awesome. Now I know I should target Toyotas the in other, my the area. Other, the other the other thing there is that you know just like we the data speaks to me. So I may have an opinion that Saturns are great because I have a shop full of Saturns, and then I look at the data and Saturn customers they won't schedule their appointments. They they won't spend money on their car. You want to be looking at not only average repair order, return on investment, but also, um, you know, what makes and models are spending that money and how often. And just like you have the worst customer and each of us can think of that, you also have the best customers. And and if I said, name your 10 best customers, you could, most shop owners or, or service advisors could do that like that. So- so maybe just as an exercise for those of you who are listening and thinking, all right, well, how do I start to apply this and build my best customer? Take your team, your tax, your service advisor, sit down in front of a whiteboard. Uh, if you don't have one, get a piece of paper, write their name, write the car that they drive, uh, and start to just identify some very basic information on them. And that will help you build your, your profiles, we we did a, a survey at, at our at our business. We hired a company to do this this data survey, and what came back to us was that uh, our average customer was sixty two years old, and our average customer had a graduate degree. 
67% of our customers had a graduate degree. Really, to me, that was a really strange thing. But now what we did is we targeted people with graduate degrees because those were really happy within our shop, within a, a, a certain you know nine-mile radius. Uh, we had Stanford University within nine miles. That was one of the reasons we went nine. And we had a lot of clients coming from Stanford who were professors. Um, the, the other thing is you can do um, a Google report uh, with your, your database that will tell you where these customers are coming from. So you could literally, you know, put in the, the customers are spending the most money and it, it will locate them for you. They'll say, this is where they, they live. And, you know, I, th I think about targeting and, and I think like having a loaner car with, with, you know, tastefully my name on the side, et cetera, and, and giving it to someone who owns a nice BMW lives in the right neighborhood with other people just like themselves. I, I always say that humans were kind of like, we're herd beasts. We're pack animals. We hang with other people like us. And, and so if my, if I have a really great customer and they live in this neighborhood, chances of other great customers living in that neighborhood, it's really good. So I want to get Sierra and, and, and I want to get targeted in on that neighborhood. Uh, mm -hmm. And I want to send my, my loaner car with my nice, you know, name on it in there. So they say, Oh, well, Bob uses, uh, you know, these guys, uh, they must be good. Let me call them when I need something. There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame. They can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery Program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one -on -one coaching, KPI tracking, live community trainings, a resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher arrows, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to ifrave.com and register now. We'll see you in class. Why do you think uh, companies that are working on cars put their yard signs out? You know, like the, we had, we were looking for a grass company. We were trying to, we needed to get some grass treatment. So we drove through our neighborhood and there was two signs and we're like, let's call, we called Hal. Hey, who do you, and that's who we ended up using, you know, and they did, yeah. I mean, the bike's beautiful. So um, one other thing I would like to add to that is, yeah, is, is make sure that you realize you can have more than one avatar. Yeah. Um, I think some people think that they just have one ideal customer and we have two. Um, and it's kind of interesting because often they could be married to each other. Um, but you know, one is for us personally, it's the, um, more the stay at home or part-time mom that is very involved with their kids, drops all the kids off at school, brings their car to us, still has their gym clothes on from working out at the Y on the way to have their car serviced versus the other avatar that we have is her husband that's working down in the Maryland farms, 500 million square feet um, office space. That's just down the road from us, which is really interesting because it's really made us step back and look at, do we have our avatars right? Because that office space right now is still empty but we had a record month last month. So who's coming in now? So it's making a step back, knowing who, who our, her ideal customers are. And then we've had this big leap. A lot of it I, I know has to do with geofencing and how we're marketing, but now we're stepping back and thinking, okay, they're not coming to the office. Are they coming to us from their homes? Where, how, why are they coming to us still? Or, 
or, or do we have a new person? Do we have a new avatar? So it, by knowing who our customer is, it gives us an opportunity to reflect and relook at it on occasion. I think on that piece of paper or on that whiteboard, you also start asking your customers questions. I mean, Kim just defined two places where I could market to find other people like one of my best at my, my avatars, you know, uh, at the, at the, at the gym, the local women's gym, mom is working right? out. Right. You know, and, and, uh, you know, at the, at the soccer park where, where mom is taking the kids and, and, you know, they're playing soccer, et cetera. I just, I think but only about, on Saturdays, <clears throat> I, but, but then you event, then you event yeah. track, but I did learn something. And I don't know if, if, um, if Sierra's seen or seen this yet or, or heard it, but I did, um, change my location because I thought, um, I thought my, my clientele was going to be down at JJ's wine bar in downtown Franklin. And because they're wine drinkers, they're wine drinkers and craft and craft beer drinkers. I had 24, over 24,000 hits at a rinky dink wine bar. I blew it big time. I blew it big time because that was, it's a, it's a tourist place. And I was thinking, cause I go there, my, we go there, my kids, you know, we go there on occasion after dinner, but I didn't really look around to see who else was there. I just thought I like wine. I go there. So, and I had, I had over like 25,000 out of my fifth, out of my 50,000 or my hundred thousand go in one spot. So here's, here's one weighted, one weighted, uh, walkthrough. (laughs) So here's a benefit here. It's you get two for one, one, you ask your clientele questions and build a relationship with them by asking them, you know, what, what do you do in your free time? Oh, I love that. What wine do you drink? Where do you drink? You know, are there any local bars you like to go to that, that you prefer or, and then add those into your notes. And when you talk about building your avatar, we know, all right, these are the spots. Here's our best clients. This is what we know about them. And you can use that in your marketing and advertising. Yeah, if I'm still, when so you one build quarter, relationship, have better marketing. Yeah. When one quarter of my of my budget went to one place and I had one weighted action, uh, that was my mistake. That was not that was not my salesperson. That was my mistake. So again, it's just to have something to look at instead of just as Sierra said earlier, just throwing it out there. Or <clears throat> Cecil said, putting bets everywhere on the roulette table. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't work that way. Doesn't work. Right. So, oh, Sierra, go ahead. Yeah. Well, and uh, I love what Kim brought up is that your avatar can change, right? And and it's important not to allow yourself to just get comfortable and say, this is how it is all the time. It should change, right? I mean, people progress and there's new people that come into the marketplace and, you know, interests change. And and so being on top of that, I think is, is really important. And as an aside, if you are going for moms, Target and Starbucks, those, those are the spots. <laughs> so, oh, just just so, on the. Oh, go. Ahead. Hey, go ahead. I got. I got to. I got to say this. That fifteen years ago, I had clients and we had conversations about millennials. Do I want to market to millennials? You know, talking about change, and I said no, not yet, because fifteen years ago they didn't have any money. They, you know, they and but now they're they're the gang. I mean, they're they're the main customers, and they don't think and act the way that my. Um, uh, baby boomers do. Thank God. So I have, to, <laughs> man, 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 man. I have to make adjustments. And by the way, they're still great customers. They just, I have to treat them a little differently. I have to, uh, I have to massage my pat, you know, what I do. Uh, and, and, and I, and then I can market those people and bring in great, successful, 
baby boomer or um, uh, millennials. And, wait till, and now we're talking about the next generation. Wait, wait till the, well, wait till the, you know, uh, the gens, the Z gens are coming in and you greet them with a dab, you know, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the shop. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> so before we move on to the next question, we're going to take a short break. Uh, thank you for watching and listening. Uh, make sure to like, comment. If you guys are enjoying this, if you're learning something new, or if you have any questions for us, we're watching that down below. And also make sure to subscribe because we're posting content all the time and content to help you run your business better and bringing on experts like Sierra and like Kim here. So I want to talk briefly about our gear platform. If you really are looking for resources to run your shop better, gearforshops.com is our educational platform. It has courses on marketing uh, and not taught by us, but taught by people like Sierra. We also have sales training there, systems and processes, financials, pretty much anything you would need to run your business better is at this platform. And those of you who are interested in sales training, we actually do have an advisor mastery conference coming up in September. We'll post the the date down in the chat below. I just realized I didn't have it in my notes. Um, This is a conference that we open up to anybody who wants to, not just the people that are in our advisor mastery program, you can come see what it's like to be part of one of the most elite sales training program uh, out there. So yeah, if you'd like to check it out, go to gearforshops.com or you can find more information on the advisor mastery conference at wearetheinstitute.com. So back to questions. Now, I know in the notes, you guys have seen this, but I want to get a little more into geofencing and retargeting. I don't know if Sierra, you want to guide us into that. Sure. So uh, geofencing and retargeting, um, it's, uh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that some people find it a little creepy. Um, we, we, I know we were all talking about that earlier, but it's, it's really impressive what can be done now. And um, we talked a little bit about, you know, knowing the demographics of, of people that we're looking for, but some of it is behavioral as well. And, um, and really what we're talking about with, with geofencing and some of the other pieces of retargeting is really behavior. It's people showing us that they have an interest um, with certain things. And with geofencing, we literally are able to put an invisible fence around a specific location. Um, and when somebody walks in with their mobile device, it basically triggers and it, and it pulls them into our audience And from that point on, we can start serving them ads, whether they are um, on an app or they are browsing on the internet. Um, It cross-device matches. So I have my mobile phone. I also have a laptop, a desktop, and a tablet. I also have my TV. Um, We can connect all of those devices back to me. So, you know, um, for for an example with with Kim's shop, um, if I go to one of the local country clubs that she's geofenced, I walk in captures my mobile device. And now the next time that I open, say, the Weather Channel app on my phone, I'm going to see an ad for CS Automotive. And then I go to um, maybe look at an article online, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, doesn't matter, right? Um, I can see an ad for CS Automotive. And it literally follows me because I'm the right type of person based off of me going into the country club. And what's really cool about it, I think, is that, yes, we can see clicks. We can see, you know, people interacting with the ad. But Kim can see if I walk into her shop. So we can say, 
three people who we served ads to at this country club physically came to see you this last month. Um, and it's, it's that kind of power. Now we, you know, we, we cut off at that point. We don't know names, um, but it's enough for us to be able to see that movement has been made. Um, and then on top of it, there's search retargeting. So that's, uh, it's not the same as SEM or, or Google AdWords, Google pay-per-click, because those ads only serve on Google. And those searches are based off of what happens on Google. When I say search retargeting, that's if, say somebody goes on YouTube and says, you know, how to change spark plugs, or um, I go to just a, a Reddit or any other site online. Maybe I go to autozone.com and I search for Jeep spark plugs or um, anything along those lines. So it's not exclusive to searching on Google. It's searches anywhere on the internet. We can take that and find those people in your geographic location. So for Kim, it would be specific down to the Nashville area within a certain mileage, mile of her radius of her shop. And we say anybody who does these searches with these keywords anywhere in this area, anywhere online, we want to serve them a CS automotive ad. And the goal is that you capture them higher up in the sales funnel, right? SEM is like the bottom of the sales funnel. And we found that when you partner search retargeting with SEM, it actually increases your SEM response because they've seen you before, right? Um, there's also site retargeting where this is the oldest trick in the book. If you've ever done any type of shopping online and you went to a website, Amazon does it best, right? You go to Amazon, you leave Amazon, and all of a sudden they start following you around with what you were shopping for. Exactly. Not just that. Thing. I just some advice for anybody who wants to buy stuff online, go to the website, fill up your cart and leave it for like 20 minutes, close oh, yeah. it out and they'll send you a discount coupon. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I've oh, done yes. this a couple times. Yes. So Ooh, true. Okay. I, think there's yeah, some, and I think there's some really funny stuff here. First of all, it's a bit creepy that they can follow you, but they can. The second thing is look at the ads that you're getting and it's going to tell you something about yourself because the ads that you're getting are, are going to be somewhat targeted to you today. And if you're getting a bunch of discount cheap ads, you might want to change your behavior a little bit <laughs> to get the good stuff. Yeah, um, I, that's absolutely true. I mean, and it's funny because you don't realize it. Like most people don't realize that that's happening. And then I ha and then after they talk to me, they people start to freak out. They're like, oh my gosh, it's it's like they know everything. And yeah, they kind of do. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've gotten in trouble. Um, I, I joke with people because you you can literally have issues with your spouses or significant others seeing things that you're searching for. <laughs> um, I My husband got ads for furniture, um, unbeknownst to me. I was searching on my work computer. I had logged into his at home at one point, forgot to clear it out. And he, I got home from work and he goes, why are you looking at couches? I'm like, what are you talking about? How did you know that? Um, and so, I, I mean, it's- Because we it's, have a new couch coming, honey. I'm like, well, just in case. Uh, but it, it's fascinating because there is a certain behavior that we, you know, when you look at a marketing funnel, there's awareness and there's intent and there's certain things that we start to do before we're ready to make the decision. And the sooner you can reach them in that sales funnel, the more likely they are to interact with you because 
they've seen your name, they've heard of you, right? It's why broadcast works so well, right? It's the repetition of hearing your name. And then I see your ad online, right? I've gone to a place that tells me, that tells the shop that I'm the right customer. So then I start seeing more ads. I visit your website and I start seeing more ads until I finally go, okay, I'm going to look for you, right? I'm going to, I'm going to search. And then I click on the SEM ad or I click directly to your site or I make the phone call to set up an appointment. And um, it, it really is incredible. I mean, the information that we leave behind in everything that we do, whether it's our physical location or searches or anything else, um, it's a great opportunity for businesses to really hone in on those individuals. So, I, so okay, go ahead. But, but think all of, three of us at the same think time. About this, <laughs> think about this, right? I've decided by doing some research and asking some questions, I've defined who my avatars are. Now I go out and I pair that with the things that Sierra are talking about. And, and I target those people and they see me multiple times, which we all know that they've got to see you seven times to see you once or nine it's times to see you once. Now. And then they've got to see you nine times nine to remember you. So now I'm, I'm now you're, you're seeing me a lot. Right. And, and then something happens. Uh, my check engine light comes on. Uh, it's time to get the service on my car, whatever it is. And they go, oh yeah, those CS Auto people, they looked pretty good. You're, you're already in their heads. I mean, the, and now think about our industry, you know, and, and it's true of all industries. There's about 20% of the people, 15 to 20% that are just, they're light years ahead of everybody else in their technology, the way they do their business, et cetera. There's another 15 to 20% on the bottom end that are light years behind everybody else. And then there's the middle people who will catch up to this in two or three years, maybe, right? So if I'm in that top 15% and I do this, I, I win the game. I mean, I win the, I have the best tools. I, I, I'm the biggest boss. I have the most, you know, guns in the game, the biggest ammunition, et cetera. I'm going to win it. And that's why the, the topic of creating the right customer, deciding who that's going to be and, and, and branding your business to that. And then now I can go out today and I can literally go, I want this person that makes this money, that drives this car, that has this behavior. And I can not only find you, but I can follow you <laughs> and I can get on your TV. I can get on your phone. I can get on your computer, anything out there that you use. I can get on and get in front of you. Imagine seeing my ugly mug like three <laughs> times a day for you know, for a year. You know, at some point you you're like, I got to go see that guy just to get him to stop. Right. I don't know if I was the first, but I was one of the first ones in our groups. Um, I think we've been doing this a little over two years now. And when I first started sharing with people about it, I just I remember one particular conversation that and who it was I won't name them. Um, but he, they're like, no way, no way. I'm not doing that. I don't like when it's done to me. I'm not doing that. That is just, it's crazy. Now I'm not doing this. And I said, I just said it. Well, okay. If you don't do it, then somebody's going to geofence you. And is so, it, you know, they, the they can geofence our own building. I can yeah. geofence other people's buildings. So the, the, why the not, as you said, be in front of the pack. Yeah. And the criteria is, is it illegal? No, nope. is it, no. Is it immoral? No, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not, it's, it's not immoral. It's not uh, immoral. You, you still have choice. You don't have to listen to me. You can turn me off. You can, you can go somewhere else where you're not going to see me. 
Um, by the way, I'll probably be there too, just so you know, because <laughs> I'm playing the game. You know, so it's not illegal and moral. Is it unethical? No, mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. so. So, so I want to use all the tools that are there because if I so think about mechanics, what you know, technicians, what what is the 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 new scanner comes out, they gotta have it. I gotta have that. It's 20 grand. I, I still have to have it. I have that scanner because I need to be able to look at these cards, et cetera. Well, we have some new toys on the other side of that for marketing that, you know, uh, two years ago weren't here. A year ago, they didn't exist. I mean, there's some new OTT and some other stuff that's just, you know, Google's AI has, has advanced. And, you know, we have some new tools that you can play with that will make you the, you know, the, 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 the queen of the ball or the king of the ball. You know, do you want, do you want those tools? Or do you want to still use your old uh, wrenches and stuff to fix these cars? You can. Yeah, and I and I think I mean Kim's Kim brought up a great point. I get asked all the time, like, "Well, how do I know if someone's doing it to me?" Um, assume everyone. They are. Is, they are. Right? They, they are. are. You're the the WalMarts, and you should be world. doing it to them too. Yes, I mean the WalMarts, the Auto Zones, all of those <laughs> big national companies. I can guarantee are coming after your local shops because. That's where they know the customers are. If you aren't doing it to them, you're losing, right? And yeah, you should you should be targeting yeah. the local dealerships both for new customers and for technicians. Well, that, that's another yeah, thing that's that we need to buffer. talk about because when I define my the the kind of tech I want, the 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 quality, the etc. Not only can I go after a customer that drives a Toyota that's a certain age that makes a certain amount of money, I can go after a technician where they work and get in front of I want to give that credit to Jamie Carlson because when she shared with me that that's what she was going to do, I was like, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. And, you know, the other thing too, just to keep in mind is where those shops that are listening to this are the best of the best, in my opinion. I think Cecil would or, or, or aspiring to be the best of the best. It's not like we're a bunch of ambulance chasers chasing after, you know, the fresh meat just to get money in pocket. We're out there trying to advertise a, a business that we know is a good business. Most of us offer three-year, 36,000-mile nationwide warranty. We're good product. We're good services. We're a good company. We need to be helping people, and that's our responsibility is to share it. We're honest and fair, and we care about our clients and the, their success. To a fault. We do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so if there's tools out there that I can use, I, I want to use those tools. Uh, I would kind of compare this to, so back in the day you had yellow pages and what replaced yellow pages? Google. Google website, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have drop cards and mailers. Guess what? This Geofencing is, is a much cooler version of those. Yes. And, and, and the OTT and the things. The, and it's uh, on my phone. It, SEM, et cetera. I mean, mm-hmm. that is the new drop card. That's look, I, I'm not, I'm not going to look, I can't throw my phone away. If I get a drop right. card, if I get a mailer, I'm going to throw that. I'm going to chuck it in the trash. Even I can't even throw my knowing, phone away. <laughs> even knowing that they're tracking you, even yeah. knowing that yeah. they're, they're pushing stuff in front of you that you may not want to see or pay attention to. You're not throwing your phone away. Look how, most, many, look how many trees we're saving. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do it for and the most, trees. They've done studies and most people, like it is an over, well over 87% of people have said, I'm going to have to see ads no matter what, right? It, it's part of the deal of, of interacting with all of these different things is I have to see ads. So I would rather have them be relevant to me. Right, right, right. The benefit is that right? you're finding the most relevant service for you for what you are looking for. 
and, right. and as a consumer. And, yeah. and e- even the pay for services like Netflix, I pay nine bucks or 11 bucks or whatever it is today, every single month, I'm still seeing commercials there. So why not see the commercials that I want to see or the things that are relevant to me? Or why not you get in front of me because I want to take care of my truck and, mm-hmm. and I don't argue about what needs to be done. Yeah. And all I want to know is when I can have it. And I write the check, you know, that, yeah. that that's, I'm the kind of guy that you want to bring into your business. Yeah. And I mean, there are, so with geofencing, there's a few different ways you can do it. You can do just businesses. Um, We actually have the ability of being able to curate home lists of actual home addresses where you say, we want people that I want men who make $150,000 or more a year that are um, employed in executive levels or they like to golf or they have this interest. And I can find all of those households in a specific area and literally plop little geofences on every single home that matches that. So, you're, you know, you're, you brought up the mailers. You don't have to do mailers. You don't have to buy lists like that can be done or you have your current customer list, right? It's, and maybe you you have a special going on and you want to tell all of your current customers about it. We can upload that list and hit every single house. 10, ten years ago when I was teaching about marketing, I would say, okay, what's wrong with TV and radio? Well, TV and radio has some really good things about it. It, it creates instant uh, celebrity, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, but TV and radio hits a very broad audience. It is a very much a shotgun approach. And yeah. not only is it going to hit people in my area that will never use my service because they don't drive the cars that I work on or whatever, but it also hits a much broader area of people that will never come to me because I'm too far away. So imagine that you could hire somebody who looked good that people would open the door for that could literally walk to the door, knock on the door and say, oh, Cecil, here's something for you and that you would actually look at it, right? If you could do that and do it inexpensively enough, would you? What we're talking about, you know, when we start running these ads, I could take a a budget that I'm using, let's say uh, average shop probably that's doing direct mail, 2,000 bucks. Give me $2,000 to use online. And and the sky's the limit. Oh, man. We again, we have a we have a shop owner that has now six and is going on seven shops. And and recently, uh, three months ago, I was at a meeting and I was talking about SEO and and geofencing and this stuff. And and they're doing direct mail and they're spending with their shops like fifty thousand dollars a month on <sighs> direct mail. Right. So now. They're spending, I think he's spending like 15 grand on the geofencing and stuff. They got rid of direct mail in two months. Completely. They got rid of direct mail. They are booked out three weeks. And, and he's like, I'm a little nervous about it because summer's usually busy anyway. We don't really know. But man, the phone's ringing and, and it's the right customer. I mean, again, it, we're talking pennies and, and sometimes not even pennies to get a commercial in front of a viable person instead of, you know, putting, uh, you know, all this money out and all this stuff out uh, to a bunch of people who uh, you send direct mail to me, you know, you know where it goes in the trash can right by the door. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a trash can right by the door for direct mail be- and it gets full every week. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you're not recycling. No. Well, <laughs> well yeah. Yeah. I, I, I literally, <laughs> I literally have a trash can outside my car door. And, yeah. and I, wow. I mean, it's that, I mean, I walk around and it goes in. 
Yeah. If I, if I bring it in the house and I'm not looking at it still, it's just going to go right back out there anyway. But when I'm, when I'm doing stuff on this thing and your ad comes up, I'm going to at least see five seconds of it because it takes me that long to go, to go, okay, I don't want to see this anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this has been a wonderful discussion. I think we've covered quite a lot. And those of you who are still on the fence about getting into geofencing and doing some of this online marketing, and you're still doing mailers and and those archaic forms of marketing. <laughs> you're still Maybe in the yellow pages. Right. Oh my Maybe. gosh. Right. You're <laughs> still using cassette a, tapes. <laughs> Maybe take a look at some of the resources that we've been recommending. At this point, I'm just going to kind of go into final thoughts with you guys and let's let's wrap it up. Uh, let's start with Kim. Um, I think one of the key things, just like any any marketing or anything you venture into, make sure you're working with a company that knows what they're doing that you can trust. Um, I um, had actually Audrey is my sales rep from Midwest Communications. She had um, been coming to my door, cold called me for several years, um, trying to you know because she does a lot of. Uh, radio and and so on and such. And that just wasn't, first of all, we didn't have the budget for it. Um, but when she came to me about, about geofencing and, and, uh, targeting retargeting, it was just, you know, it scared me. I, it really, really did scare me, um, because it did seem creepy and all that, but I felt, I trusted her. I trusted that we can do this, that we're going to try this and just, and that was the whole thing is I said, what can I lose? But a couple thousand dollars, you know, over the next few months. And I said a couple of thousand, cause that's, we started off doing 500,000 or 500, 50,000 impressions. Now we did 50,000 impressions and saw an increase. And, you know, now we're doing, you know, a hundred thousand impressions. And of course all went to a wine store that I got one weighted action, but again, my mistake, my mistake. Um, but you know, I just had a, a meeting yesterday with Audrey. She said, your, your, um, your, um, uh, weighted action seemed lower. And I said, okay, well, let me tell you why I think it is. It's not because of our, what, you know, where we're marketing, but let's change this, this, and this. But I said, it's because we can't get people in the door for two to three weeks. So they may be tracked in one month and coming in the next. You're so that busy. It, we're right? that busy. You're th- and you're yes. still marketing. And you're still we marketing. Are. We're yeah. still marketing. And I, in fact, I, we talked about even increasing again, because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you know what? It's not that much. It's really affordable. But going back to the very with a company that knows what they're doing. That's first and foremost, because, you know, I, I, and, and don't just assume that they're going to do all the work for you. You are the ones that know your customers, you know, where they are and, um, and you allow the, yourself you know to make a mistake are. here. Yeah. You know what their habits are. Yeah. And yeah. you, and allow yourself to make a mistake here and there. Don't, you know, try, but try it, just give it a try. Sierra. Yeah. Um, so what I think something, you know, to kind of wrap it all up is with this type of technology, you get to, to me, have a little bit of fun. You know, um, I think it, it makes you think outside the box of, of who you're, you're going after and how to reach them. Um, you know, whether it's, it's you're reaching your avatar for a, a customer or you need new techs in order to keep up with the business that you have. Um, and, and it allows you to really hone in, um, and be smart with those marketing dollars. 
Um, you know, to Kim's point, making sure that you partner with somebody that you can trust um, and that will be flexible with you. Business changes, right? Um, you know, what, what's true today may not be true tomorrow. And you need to have a partner that will flex with you. Um, and, and I think that's really important. But, you know, coming up with your avatar, thinking outside the box, allowing yourself um, to maybe get a little creepy with your advertising and see how it works. Um, I think it's worth it. My turn, I guess. Thank you, Sierra. Thank you, Kim. Oh, my gosh. Come to the Mars Conference, either <laughs> physically or digitally. Mars Marketing Fraud or Repair Shops. We've vetted the people. At, our, at the Institute, we hear good things. Kim says, we got this gal, and she's doing this geofencing thing for us. And, oh, my gosh, it's really working for us. So we talked to Sierra. Sierra, who are you? What are you doing? We talked to a couple of our clients who are um, forward thinkers. They're willing to take the, the, the risk. And we say, okay, Sierra, we got a couple of people for you we want you to work with. And then those people come back and go, oh, my gosh, this thing's working. And now we say, Sierra, we want you to come talk to our, our clients. And we want you to, we vetted her. We vetted Dan Vance. We have vetted Steve Rich. The speakers at our conference have been vetted by us. These are the best of the best. We don't we don't mess around with the with the third string quarterbacks. We do we don't we don't play with them. So come to the Mars conference either physically or digitally. If you can't get there physically, we are doing a digital conference. You are going to listen to the best marketing people in the industry today, and they are not going to talk to you about direct mail. They're not going to talk to you about the yellow pages. They're going to talk to you about the future of marketing, how Google thinks, why this works. And, and you have the opportunity at that conference to ask them some real serious questions and, and get inside their heads and their minds. This is not a sales conference. That's I, I've told them all, you're not selling here. You are presenting information, answering questions. Unfortunately, Dad, this episode's actually coming out a few ah. days after the Mars conference. Ah. ah, but if you are, if you Editing. if you missed it, if you missed it, we're likely to come out with a digital version. And I'm actually planning on so during the live conference, we will have had strategy sessions that we're running after the presentation. So we're going to give you the information. We're going to do a Q&A session. And then we're going to have a strategy session where we sit down with the shop owners here and actually create a an action plan for them so that they can take that back to their shop and implement that. And that, at this point, those of you who are listening, that will have happened. But we're planning on announcing kind of an online Zoom session like this for those who purchased the recording when we put that out. So, so I was going to say, I'll, I'll be there, but I'm going to say I was there and it was great. And it was fantastic. It was there. It was the best Thanks for having me. It was amazing. I feel like, I feel like I've heard it all before, but it is, you haven't, it's all, I mean, you don't think that you, that you've heard it all before. Cause every first, time you go, like we went like a couple, like last week, it, I learned something new. <laughs> first, first of all, when you, when you, when you went a year and a half ago, that information was great information and you retained 20% maybe. Okay. Now you're coming a year and a half later and there's some cool new stuff that, that wasn't here a year and a half ago. And the other 80% of the information that you did not retain is, is going to, you're going to retain more of that. So, or, or uh, you're in a different position. You can actually implement it now where you couldn't before. Yeah. Marketing's about timing. 
Mm-hmm. So, so with timing, right. timing being said, we need to wrap it up because we're at that point. Thank you, uh, Sierra. Thank you, Kim, for being on this podcast. I think it was a really good episode. Uh, those of you who are listening to this, please like and share if you learned something new or if you enjoyed the content that we we discussed today and make sure to subscribe because we're always posting new content. Uh, if you're interested in finding out what we do or joining the community that we have, uh, go ahead and do that. Gear has an open community for, for forward-thinking shop owners. You can join at no cost where we've got good discussions happening all the time. And check out weiretheinstitute.com as well as gearforshops.com for any of the resources that the Institute has available to us, like recommending somebody like Sierra who does an incredible job with marketing. Well, tune in on August 18th for episode 78, where we're going to do a shop story that is sure to resonate with our listeners. And thank you again. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you, guys. That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by GearForShops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iForAbe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.